Welcome to Massive Damage Adventures, a one-shot, actual-play, role-playing game podcast. My name is Merrick Moyer. I'm the Dungeon Master, Storyteller, Lore Master, and All-Around Host. Every month, I run a one-shot using a different system, pulling in a different cast of players. All intellectual properties, including game materials, setting material, music, and whatever else, are used without permission. None of them are ours. We're just using them to enhance our gameplay. But an extra special thank you to Hayden Lister for letting us use his song Rediscovery as our intro. Check out more of his music at ReverbNation.com slash Hayden Lister. H-A-Y-D-E-N-L-I-S-T-E-R. Also, please rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at SkyhammerK and on Instagram at SkyhammerPress. If you want to run your own games and need a few ideas, check out our social media Roll D4 Adventure prompts. And if you pledge a dollar a month at patreon.com slash skyhammerpress, you get four full adventure seeds on every Roll D4 adventure. This episode has been sponsored by Roll20. If you need a virtual tabletop, go to roll20.net to sign up for a free account and get playing. With a marketplace for tokens, maps, and adventures, there's always something to add to your game. Plus, if you pay for a subscription, you'll unlock premium features like dynamic lighting, more storage space, customizable character sheets, and special animated effects. Happy New Year, and welcome to the fourth season. Welcome to Dresden Files Accelerated. Before we get started, I do have to share a serious content warning. This adventure is framed around the real-life horror story of the LaLaurie Mansion in New Orleans. Serial killing, torture, slavery, and other disturbing content is discussed and used in this narrative. If you haven't read a Dresden Files book before, here are the rough notes. The series is 17 books long and seems to be maybe getting into the end game, Or maybe not. We might only be halfway through. No real way to know. The author... Jim Butcher, has also released two anthologies, adding 23 more short stories to the world. There was even a TV series. Hmm. The books follow Harry Dresden, a modern wizard who lives in Chicago and is blessed or cursed with a major stubborn streak and an inability to stay on the sidelines. He goes from taking down rogue sorcerers to facing ancient powers, and he does it all with a Spider-Man-like disrespect for anyone who he thinks is a bully. If listening to that makes you want to read the books, I strongly recommend them. And I assure you that the writing improves through the series, and Harry's super archaic views on women evolve. It's not a perfect book series, but they're enjoyable stories with great characters and a rich world. Each case file has something really amazing about it, and I have shouted in triumph, laughed out loud, and wept while reading these books. As for the game, Dresden Files Accelerated is the second iteration of this world in RPG form. The first version was a thick, well-designed fate game that lends itself to long campaigns and thoughtful development of your character, just like the book series. The accelerated version focuses more on depicting the investigations and quick action sequences. 
The rules are simpler so that you can move more nimbly and have a bit more of the adventure feel from the books. Oh, and quick aside, the books are all written as in-world artifacts. The original RPG was written by uh, a game-loving character, and the margins are filled with sticky notes and scribbled comments by Harry Dresden and his pet skull, Bob. Dresden Files Accelerated is (laughs) written as a training manual um, authored by someone called The Archive for a shadowy in-universe buyer, with commentary written in by the Archive's bodyguard. A quick introduction or reminder about the Fate Accelerated system. Most of the game is built around aspects, short phrases that describe true things about the world or the characters. It could be something like Wizard Private Eye, or Special Investigations Lead Detective, or The House is Burning Down. All of those aspects can be invoked which means when they apply to a situation or action, you can spend a fate point to get a plus two on a roll or to re-roll your dice. Or they can be compelled, which means they force a negative narrative on you, but you gain a fate point. The dice that we use are called fudge dice, four six-sided dice that have two blank faces, two plus signs, and two negative symbols. You also have approaches, which replace skills or attributes from other systems. And the approaches are flare, focus, force, guile, haste, and intellect. So, if you want to push a red court vampire into a house that's burning down, you might roll your force. Whereas, if you want to trick them onto a rickety burn-through beam so that they fall into a burning basement then maybe it is a guile roll. Lastly, for an explanation of basic rules at least, there are shifts and stress. If the difficulty or opposition is a 2 and you roll a 4, the difference between them is your shifts. So in this case, two shifts. That could be dealing two stress of damage. If you have zero shifts, you do succeed, but with a consequence. If you have three or more shifts, you succeed with style. Got it? It'll become clear as we're playing, and I mean, like many role-playing games, it's all just a framework to tell the story that you're telling. Dresden Files Accelerated is a super fun game. I love it for short campaigns that explore one mystery really well. I haven't tried it for a long campaign, but if we were ever going to go back to Dresden Files for a big, epic, story-driven campaign, I'd probably just default to the full fate system. In Accelerated, you can chuck fireballs and track monsters, and the system does it really well. In the Dresden Files role-playing game, you can spend hours carefully constructing a thaumaturgic ritual, scene by scene for each component to pull a satellite out of orbit and eradicate the stronghold of a Duke of the Red Court. The games play differently, whether you want to focus on the sort of pulp action sequences or the real building blocks of the world. Our players today included Jen Blackmoyer, playing Sean McAvoy, a retired bureaumancer, Tyler McCrate, playing Gabriel Beaumont, 
a retired Knight of the Cross, Patrick McGeehan playing Marie Saint-Pierre, the Naga changeling, David Booth playing Dr. Genevieve Ba, a vampiric healer, Amanda Hicks playing Astrid Colomb, Nola's den mother, and Ronald Achipong playing Maxwell Pearson, an ex-cultist wizard. Oh, and one more thing. When I was prepping for this game, I made a playlist with a song for every Dresden Files book, and I will put the Spotify link in the show notes for your listening pleasure. All right, uh, one other note. Hey, guys. Jen um, here. Yeah. <laughs> so, strangely enough, we lost one audio file, and it was Jen's. Yeah, I think maybe we've been too sassy to Craig, and he just <laughs> would not record my voice. So, yeah. I, I have no idea what happened, and unfortunately, Craig and G-Arc only save something for a week. <laughs> so when I come back to uh, put it all together two, three months later, <laughs> the file is gone forever. Yeah, so we did our best, and Merrick did a really good job trying to mark all the places I was supposed to talk, and we did our best to kind of guess what I was saying, and if I couldn't guess what I was saying, you just get very unwitty commentary. <laughs> it's... Different, but very, very fun. <laughs> yeah, so we hope you guys still enjoy the episode, and feel free to laugh when you hear my voice just superimposed <laughs> in. Yep. All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, welcome everybody to the very first episode of Season 4 of Massive Damage Adventures. Feel free to talk at this part. You can be like, woo, yay, excited. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about interrupting that part. Um... And super fun and very exciting. This episode is sponsored by Roll20. Um, as part of this sponsorship, Roll20 gave us a complimentary copy of their Dresden Files Accelerated module, We'll Always Have Perish. So this module converts um, a sample campaign that you find in the core book Uh into the virtual tabletop, and it has the pre-generated characters, five of which we're using today. There are five. We have six players, so we needed to make one more. Um, there's rules references, faction write-ups, locations, the Fate Point deck, uh, and art and tokens and character sheets for um, things in this setting, as well as a whole bunch of main Dresden Files characters. They're pretty fun to look at. Um, from the first book, Stormfront, all the way up to Skin Game. Also, special thanks to David Lewis Luong, who gave us permission to use his album, Feels So Good, as our background music. So you can download his music, his album, on Reverb Nation, and I put the link in the show notes, but that is what we are listening to right now. A little bit of New Orleans jazz. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, super nice guy. I just found it on YouTube and emailed him. I'm like, hey, this is really cool. Could I use it on my podcast? He's like, yeah, man. Were you an armadillo when you were saying that? Was I an armadillo? Is it armadillos that always look like they hesitantly asking someone to prom? Mm, okay, I'm sort of picturing yeah. this now. It's one of them. I got to look it up now. Okay, so here's the setup. Six weeks have passed since the skirmish at the Lalori mansion between Savageau's uh, pack and the Fomor. The routers, your group, 
have been on patrol, doing what you can to contain the ever more public clashes between the FOMOR and the PAC. It's given you time to grow as a team and form bonds. Besides uh, keeping vanilla mortals out of the line of fire, you've stopped robberies, scared off ghouls, and even bargained with one very confused centaur under a new moon. Uh, a little bit of background for anyone not super familiar with the Dresdnafile setting. Uh, the Fomor are a group and species... Hello, Tyler! Of, um... Hello. Of undersea humanoids, sort of like fairies and a lot darker and very mean. They're real jerks. Um, and then in this setting, uh, Savageau, the pack, is run by Louis Savageau, who is a Rougarou. A very scareful, scary, super powerful uh, werewolf who, in the books, uh, they had uh, dealt with a Rougarou. Rougarou, same thing, but southern. <laughs> they have an accent. <laughs> now, what's happening is that you are standing above what is clearly a ritual circle inscribed into the stone of the park at the corner of Chartres Street and Ursuline's Avenue. It's a warm Friday evening in the spring, and the streets are busy with people. And so we'll start with Amanda to introduce Astrid. What are you doing? Oh, quick question first, yes. I was just wondering, where are we right now? City Park, so it's one of those downtown ones with a little bit of green space and a couple of benches and a couple of, like, manicured trees. Uh, you have a little bit of cover from the street, and there are buildings on two sides, and then street on the other two sides. Way less. So, go ahead, Amanda. Okay, so um, I'm Amanda. I'm also Astrid. So um, Astrid is standing there, um, kind of people watching, take, taking a look at kind of who's around us. Um, she's got a long black, like very dramatic coat on. Uh, and then like the whole kind of jazz all dressed in black, got heels on, um, very kind of extra looking. And yeah, just people watching, just like really being aware of who's watching, who's watching us as a group, like the concern for the group and making sure that we haven't really been spotted. Cool. David. All right. Hello, I'm David and I'm also uh, Dr. Genevieve Ba. Um, I am a white court uh, vampire, and I am, but I'm still a virgin, so I have not made a kill, so I am not a full monster yet. Uh, I am kind of just in uh, relaxed clothes, like kind of like the Lululemon running pants and a light jacket, very much on my day off from working a night shift at the hospital, and kind of looking at the uh, summoning circle, but I don't really quite get what the magic is, but it is interesting, and I'm kind of bent 
crouched over looking at some of the lines and the designs. Excellent. And a little bit of clarification for people who are not familiar with the setting. Uh, the White Court are emotion vampires, and some of the main ones uh, feed on lust. And so they're um, the White Court, who have not killed and fed on emotion, are called White Court virgins. It doesn't actually necessarily mean that they are a sexual virgin, because not all of the ones feed on lust. So it wasn't just a weird overshare? Yeah, also, I'm a true. virgin. There's a magical white court virgin. But for example, if um, if David's character, and we don't know what David's character feeds on, if David's character fed on anger, they never uh, ate enough anger to kill somebody. All right. Thank you, David. On to Patrick. I am Patrick. But I am also Marie Saint Pierre. Uh, Marie is very clearly uh, like not disguising her actions whatsoever. She's a very tall, svelte, uh, dark-skinned woman. Uh, braids up in a in a a messy bun. Uh, very like very bookish, but uh, uh, like sharp-featured. And she is very very obviously copying whatever this ritual circle is into a book, like on her knees next to it copying it. Ignoring everyone else. Cool. Uh, Ron, you're up next. Hello again, everyone. Uh, my name's Ron. In the context of this setting, I will be Maxwell. Um, so Maxwell is standing, he has a light jacket on, and he's kind of pacing this locale, just walking back and forth, and he has this copper coin in his hand that he constantly flicks up into the air, watches it spin a couple times, lands back in his palm, flicks it back up. And it seems like he's muttering something to himself as if he were having conversation of sorts. And the other hand, which is inactive, seems to twitch like as if he were logging something in his head every couple seconds. Cool. Now, he he very clearly said a copper coin, not a silver coin, for anybody who is a fan of the Dresden Files and is wondering if he is a knight of the Blackened Denarius. He is not. <laughs> Ron, don't worry about that. I don't believe you, first of all. Very well. Okay, I'll write that down as something to take note of for later. Excellent. I like it. Talking to himself, flipping a coin, it's fine. No, it's, a, it's totally normal. <laughs> I'm Tyler. In this, uh, uh, in this, I will be Gabriel Beaumont. Uh, I will be sitting near the circle on a bench. Um, Middle-aged black gentleman wearing a comfortable pair of jeans and flannel shirt. Just very sensible clothing. Nice. Very good. And Jen. Hi, I'm Jen. I am playing Sean McAvoy. He is, uh, used to be a white council wizard. He's really nerdy, but he like looks really fly. He's got a sweet uh, sweater vest on with a button up collar below and glasses, but he really is kind of like 
your wizard nerd, right? Like the accountant of wizards. And red hair. Percy. Yeah, so he's basically Percy. Um, but hotter? Percy. More Percy, though? I guess. You described Percy Weasley. Yeah, okay, so he's like a little Percy Weasley. Um, and so he's going to be right now looking over kind of the symbol, and he's got his notebook out, and he's really focused, and he's checking out what's going on. Um, and he's probably ignoring his girlfriend, I'm guessing. Felt very demeaning the way you said that to me <laughs> boyfriend of mine <laughs> i'll be honest i don't remember what i said yeah no i get it i understand <laughs> it i get where you see our relationship it's totally fine okay so apparently in this section now I'm i mean you know and everybody else here knows that sean mcavoy was a pre- previously a member of the white council of wizards and i mean Ooh. you're not previously <laughs> Previously, yeah, he's no longer with them. He's kind of doing his own side shtick now, um, working with this team. Wow, opposites really do attract. I guess. I mean, apparently, I said here something about. Oh, sugar, it's fine. He's not worth the tears. I think he is, though. Uh, no one is crying. Well, he's not worth the the anger that you're feeling right now. Astrid, what are you talking about? <laughs> Just um, I'm writing for one second, please. I can pick up on this tension. Yeah, because of the circle on the middle of a park in New Orleans. It's uh, dangerous. Oh, I don't know. Oh, and don't forget, uh, he'll speak in a British accent, so I'll insert that when he starts Seems talking, Seems like I there's guess. some relationship tension, too. I don't think so. I think you need to perhaps mind your own business. It's none of your concern. All right. So, um, Marie is copying the uh, the ritual circle into a notebook. That sounds like something that you might do a roll for, uh, which could be focus. And it could be something like creating an advantage to say, I have studied the circle. Would you perhaps like to do that? Or would you like to, or would somebody like to identify what this might be or investigate it to see uh, if there's any clues about who might have made this? Because it's clearly something that doesn't fit in the middle of the French Quarter in New Orleans. I mean, maybe it kind of does, middle of the French Quarter in New Orleans, but this doesn't look like touristy type magic. This looks like from the weird side of the street. You mean New Orleans? Um, would I actually be able to try one of my aspects? Jen, do the thing. Yeah, I want to do the thing. I thought you said you were going to do a thing. Yeah, I'm going to do a thing. I'd like to use my uh, trouble as a former apprentice of the White Council to see if I can understand what this MF's doing. Uh, is that possible? Yeah, you can absolutely tag a trouble. Okay, yeah, because I mean... Because I'm a former apprentice, I probably know magic really well, and I can probably be really interested in what the symbol does, and maybe I'll know what type it is. Okay, so you don't need to do it up front. You can see your role, and then you can spend your fate point afterwards saying, I'm a former apprentice, blah, 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 blah. I've uh, seen more, and increase your success. Cool. Okay, so Sean's going to like do some sort of like push up his glasses. He's going to use his plus three good intellect. Yeah, and let me see. So you're trying to determine what this does. 
totally. Okay, then I would say that it is... It's a good... Um, it's a little bit esoteric, but uh, it's it's not out of uh, your difficulty. So the difficulty is a three to identify. I got that. I'm going to uh, get way more than a three. I got like a six. That's awesome. Well, hot damn. Uh, Just put the um, MF there, Jen. Sorry. I got six on this MF-er. MF? What? In her, the reason that she chose to do it, which was determine what the circle does, MF. Gotcha. <laughs> um, okay, so with a six, you get an exceptional success. So you learn the information. This is, you know, in game terms, this was an overcome action. You're, you're overcoming not knowing. Um, and so this is a ritual circle that has been inscribed and empowered and a ritual has already been uh, enacted here. Now, it looks as if, and this is the regular success, it is something to do with necromancy. Now, with the exceptional success, you know that it didn't actually summon or create anything. All it did was thin the veil between the living world and the never-never, so that should spirits need to cross over, it's easier for them. Merrick, is it current time in-game? Um, Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, probably cold, mm, probably ghost story. No, I mean like of the year. Oh, it's 2020? No, I just mean, is it October, midway through the month? Oh, I see what you're saying. No, it is spring. Fantastic. Okay, that's much less scary. Alright, well, I've examined the circle. I can't tell us as much as I wish we could, but I can tell that it is some sort of necromatic um, magic. Uh, you can tell by these symbols here, here, and just the general layout. Um, and it's in the veils between the worlds, uh, specifically between the Fey realm and, and our realm. Um, and I can tell that nothing has come through yet, which uh, probably is very excellent. Uh, but that's, that's all I've got. I'm sorry, I wish I could tell you guys more. Uh, that's all I can do, though. I, I very carefully wipe my hand like almost absentmindedly uh, and then reach over and just slowly like just grip uh, Sean's uh, calf in like a it's okay sweetie there's I mean we, we there's no need for that it's okay well I mean I did my, my best but there's I, no need to we know you're very smart I, I mean yes I mean you're very smart too darling but thank you I I, I really appreciate it can you tell how long the spell was cast ago? Uh, I don't know. Can I? Uh, yes, you would be able to know that. So, uh, Sean would know that it's been uh, about an hour, probably done at sundown. Alright, well, judging by the way that the uh, paint is drying and the position of the moon in the sky, uh, along with the, the ways this magic has to be done, I would say it was done about an hour ago. Not that long. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, you know, magic. Wizard. Well, yes, but I mean, I also love darling math and numbers, and it helped me figure this oh, out. Oh, no. A super nerd. The most powerful nerd to ever nerd. Uh, is it... Do I need to make a roll to copy the this into my yield book nerd things? You can just say that you sketch it in, and it would be enough for somebody to recognize it if they've seen it, or you can attempt to create an advantage to copy it very perfectly. That one. Usefully. Sure. So how are you doing it? I was like, with a pencil. Uh, <laughs> how would Marie do it? Perhaps using our vast intellect. Okay. Um, so you're being very, very careful. Uh, it's not a focus. It's an intellect. So what you're doing is you are recognizing symbols and connections that you have seen before and sort of recreating it, not just by looking at it, but by understanding what the meanings are based on your research. I guess you're not so much opposites after all. We share many things alike, and we are very different in a lot of ways. Uh, So that's only a two to create this advantage. Which is fantastic, because I get a uh, three, yeah. My dice completely cancel each other out, as they are wont to do. Okay, so then you can create an aspect which could be um, perfectly recreated uh, ritual circle. You can put it on your character sheet under um, situational aspects, and uh, under notes you should put one boost. Or, sorry, no, you got a success, it's not a boost, so one free invocation. Okay, um, and what are other folks doing? We haven't heard from... Uh, Astrid, Genevieve, or Maxwell, so much. Um, so if I get up and kind of look around, can I notice if anyone is either noticing the circle itself or noticing all of us congregating around it? If I want to focus all the pe- focus on all the different people that are walking through the park? Sounds good. Um, so that's the sort of thing where we're just going to roll and see how well you do, and if that introduces anything interesting to the story. Uh, no particular set difficulty. So go ahead and um, roll your focus. Uh, I got a four. Okay. So, sort of looking around and getting a um, getting a read on the crowd. And it's a Friday night in the French Quarter. A lot of people are you know, already drunk. There's music from so many different uh, locations around here and not many people are paying you much attention. Um, Because you got the four, though, you actually see that people are avoiding this park. Like, anyone who's kind of moving towards it just sort of finds themselves crossing the street or seeing a group of people that they'd rather be with than be in this area. There's just a little bit of dark mojo going on, and normals can feel it subconsciously. Something is definitely keeping people away from this park. Probably whatever happened with this uh, this magic circle here. Yeah, it's giving me the shivers. It makes me want to leave. This is necromancy, of course. 
scribble, scribble, scribble. <laughs> and uh, what is Maxwell doing as he's sort of pacing and speaking to himself? So Maxwell is walking back and forth a little bit and for a split second seems to pause and at this point wants to see if he can surmise some kind of sense of the specifics of what the circle is meant to do. Uh, we do know from uh, what Sean said that um, whatever this ritual circle was meant to achieve has successfully lowered the barrier of entry, if you would, for any kind of spirit from the Never Never or any kind of being whatsoever to get into the corporeal realm. Uh, I'm curious as to what specifically was done. Was this an issue of uh, multi-dimensional spatiality where uh, the actual divide between the two realms has kind of, you know, decreased in uh, strength or was this more of, oh, there are certain rules that prevent crossover or a being that watches over this dimensional space that has now been weakened? Sure. So are you going to uh, study it with sort of like an intellect to look at the effects? Are you going to um, try and recreate a smaller version with like flair? How do you do, how do you figure that out? Or investigate with intellect, maybe? Uh, I was actually going to see if if I could investigate with focus and uh, potentially afterwards invoke an aspect, uh, specifically attunement to the flows of energy. Perfect. Okay, then... Uh, so you don't need to invoke the aspect first. First, we're going to do the roll. So you're going to yeah. focus and you're going to look at this. And we are going to set the difficulty also at a three. All right. Okay. So that's a five. Okay. So, uh, you succeed, but not with style. You could spend your fate point to do it with style, but I'll give you the main answer first. Um, what this has done is created an atmosphere where transition is easier. Moving from the never-never to the real world is about uh, connection and similarity. And so they've put a little bit of death here so that death is easier to come here. Now, as you're sort of looking and investigating around this shows up in the fact that in some of the crevices you can see uh, what looks to be dried blood but there's not enough for something to have been killed it looks like it was probably just a small amount of a ritual component that was used probably like uh, blood from a corpse would be something that is uh, sort of similar here now you know that this sort of weakening, and this is part of the success, is sort of one step, and that it can be further weakened by doing more of these rituals. Has there been similar uh, 
sigils and circles showing up recently, or is this a new occurrence? This is the first one that you have seen. Now, did we know that the Devoted are working towards that? That was in the notes. Is that a thing that we already are aware of, that they are stirring up necromantic uh, juju? Yeah, it is under points of conflict. So, um, I'll read that out for folks. Related but not restricted to the LaLaurie Mansion is the upheaval of spirits in the southern section of New Orleans from Tulane University's campus throughout the French Quarter. Already sufficiently agitated to stretch the veil to its limits, the tormented slaves' ghosts are joined by equally restive shades of other victims of violence, both man-made and natural. Um, Dropping down... Who or what is responsible is yet to be disclosed. Uh, The White Council hypothesized that a necromancer is fully rousing the spectral presence. Uh, And before vanishing, the White Council's warden reported encountering Poisson Mal of the Fomor and a masked sorcerer exchanging evocation spells. The latter's had the taint of necromancy. The unnamed unknown magic user of the Devoted may well be preparing a necromantic spell to use against the Fomor. So this is information that you have, but you haven't seen a focus point yet. You haven't seen where this has been coming from. This is the first where you've seen evidence of the cause rather than just the effects. Does anyone in the group have the capability of following magical traces? Uh, I have an aspect that would lend itself to that. So I think the thing to remember about aspects is they're less of things to go to all the time and more of like a backup. Like if you are trying to do something and you are not succeeding, but that is relevant to your aspect, then you invoke your aspect. Merrick might compel aspects, which we want, because that gets us fate point. But they're not always the go-to, like, I have an aspect, let's use that here. It's more like, I need to do this thing, I'm not doing that great at it. I have this aspect, would that help? Okay, yeah. that does a lot to reframe it, actually. That's really helpful. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, it's what so- I do in MDAs, Merrick, it's what I do. <laughs> so yeah, um, anybody could say, um, I want to try and find the next place um, if there are other rituals. I want to try and find another one of these rituals. And then you explain to me how you'd like to find it. You could be showing the picture around and saying, hey, have you seen this? Or you could say, I'm uh, I'm going to use magic and try and just sense something. Either way works. And it has a different difficulty and it does a different narrative. So however you want to take it forward. I have an idea. Um... Would there be, like, a trail of magic? Like, maybe necromancy leaves some sort of stain or something that we could follow to the next one? Like, uh, some sort of mojo? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like a scent trail, but the necromantic miasma following uh, whosoever left the circle behind. Yeah, totally. Like, in a video game where you're following the next quest line. Or even a literal scent trail if the werewolf wants to turn into a giant wolf in the middle of the crowded city. Here, uh, do we know what we all are? Is that like common knowledge? Yes. Everybody knows okay. what you all are. You've worked together cool. for a while. So, werewolf, vampire, two wizards, uh, 
changeling and kind of vanilla mortal with, you know, you might have told them that you were an ex-knight of the cross. Who's the ex-knight of the cross? Holy man? And who's the changeling? I'm a changeling. Who's yeah. werewolf? Who's werewolf? Amanda. Oh, okay. So you're a changeling? They're different. I'm okay. partial Naga blood. Oh, that's awkward. You may have seen me just turn into a bow constrictor at some point. I'm sure that was very alarming. <laughs> Seems like a really inconvenient transformation. <laughs> so, everybody, do we have any any ideas, or should I see if I can smell something out? I mean, that'd be pretty cool if you could smell something out. Um, do you have to be in your werewolf form for that? Uh, I mean, I guess you could be a werewolf. But, keeping in mind, if you actually change into a wolf, there will probably be screaming and running. Meh. I'm sure. It's New Orleans. No one's gonna notice. It's fine. Well, if we want to do that, we might want to come back at night. It's probably gonna be real busy all night. It's Friday night. Sorry. Uh, go ahead, Patrick, to, to Gabriel. Is all, uh, can you, I mean, if it's necromantic energy, perhaps you can attune to the man overhead. I don't know if that's still a connection you have to sense the darkness. Is that something you have access to? I'm not sure if it's quite so direct. That seems likely. He is ever wishy-washy when it comes to assistance. Well, what you could do is... Um, Kill everyone in the group. Uh, if we go with Ron's character, who can sense these flows of magic, uh, doing a little bit of sort of like a tracker or a locator spell, a minor thing, you could have other people explaining how they're going to create a benefit. So in Gabriel Beaumont's thing, he could say a little prayer for me. Well, not for me. And um, Maybe for you. You couldn't maybe. help yourself. I heard it in your voice. I, you tried I to tried. stop yourself. I tried to stop. And you were like, nope. The walls have shattered. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, uh, you could do that, Tyler, with a focus roll and say, I'll say a prayer to um, the Lord and see if I can give Maxwell some sort of benefit. That seems reasonable. Um, I will hold on to my... Not crucifix. Crucifixes are larger. I don't remember the name of the... The cross necklace. And say a small prayer uh, to assist Maxwell in finding the source. Okay. So you can... I would say for that, we're definitely going to have a role. And it's going to be creating an aspect. And uh, the difficulty will be a two. So, do you, like, focus and do that? Or is it, like, it sounded like a focus, because you were saying it quietly, as opposed to, like, a proselytizing, like, the Lord will help us, which would be, like, flair. Yeah, uh, very inwards, asking for assistance in finding the source and helping us in our plight. Cool. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and roll that one? Difficulty two. Do you mean the word rosary? 
That's the word, yes. Catholic school. <laughs> uh, modifier is three. Your focus. Whatever your focus is. Five. Nice. I set that at a two, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so that's success with a style. So you're actually going to get two invocations on uh, this uh, newly created aspect of uh, the Lord is my shepherd, if that works for you. Sorry. Would I add that in my aspects, just clicking edit there? You could, or we could use this lovely thing that I just added. Look, we got a little token, and it says the Lord is my shepherd. Huzzah! And I'm going to put a two on it. There we go. Um, Does anybody else want to help, or do we want to skip to Maxwell doing a little bit of a search? Would it be helpful to go, like, are people starting to pay attention? Should I go, like, cause a distraction? People are avoiding this place pretty pretty fine. It's only if you get loud that people are likely to come and pay attention. Sugar, are you going to be loud? Do you need a distraction? No, I do believe... Provided we don't run into any unintended resistance, that we're likely to be fine. Wonderful. I don't like that, Merrick. I don't like that one bit. I don't like what you just did there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that sounds good. Um, Let's see. To sense the... um, Actually... Ron, if you want to explain to me how Maxwell does it, and then tell me what approach you're using, that'll help me determine the difficulty. So, at first, Maxwell will walk up to the insignia on the ground, uh, bend over, and place his hand on the corner of the square that's closest to him. And he takes pause for a brief moment, stands up, and the hand that he placed upon the insignia uh, will start to tremble a little bit, as if he weren't controlling it himself, and twitches back and forth, and it points off in a certain direction. As of now, I don't know where that direction is, but we'll see cool. if it was we'll accurate. Okay, I like it. So, um, sounds like a focus. Yes. All right. So, I would say that it is a... It is a very fresh effect, and so it's not terribly hard, but it's very uh, subtle. And there are so many people moving around and moving their own energies in this area that it's a little bit more difficult as well. So I'm going to set the difficulty at a four. Okay. Come on, demon-possessed guy. Yeah, and so you um, 
you go ahead and make your roll with your focus. And then once we see the result, you can start using the Lord is my shepherd and your fate points and so on to increase your uh, effect to succeed. If you've Okay, so I rolled a two on that. Okay, so with a two against a four, you've failed, but you can use uh, one of the boosts on the Lord is my shepherd to hit the four, making it a tie. So success at a minor cost. Then you, so you could take that and I will tell you the minor cost and give you a success, or you can spend one of your own fate points and invoke one of your aspects and explain how that makes it successful. All right. Uh, for now, I'm going to see if I could go with an invocation of the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, so we do that one. That gets you to four. Do you want to spend a fate point and go up to six? Uh, no, actually. Okay, so we'll do success at a minor cost. Yeah. Um, okay, so what happens is that your hand uh, sort of comes up and it shoots sort of one direction and then another and then kind of... Uh, wavers a little bit and then settles and you can uh, sort of sense that it's heading sort of northwestern and you can continue to follow that but you have to move very very slowly and carefully because the thread that you've grabbed is very very delicate so it's going to take you more time to get to this uh, location if you try and rush it uh, you'll lose it. So as I've finally caught uh, a bit of this thread, and tell everyone, I believe we have a direction to go, but unfortunately, we will have to exercise a bit of patience. Wouldn't want to agitate the source. So you're saying slow going for the time being? For the time being, yes. I mean, as as of yet, we are in no rush. There's no need to push things faster than they need to go. Slow and steady, slow and steady. You know, okay. I always hate when your hand does that, Max, but it usually works, so let's do it. It is very unnerving. All right. So if you're going to follow this and um, sort of go and start searching, you're heading out into a very crowded, very busy street. So how do you stop people from jostling Maxwell as he's doing the like dream catcher Stephen King thing? Could we kind of form a, just kind of four points around him? Just kind of create a bit of a perimeter to hopefully block some of the jostling? Like bodyguard him? Essentially. It's definitely a plan if that's what people want to do. Yeah, it works. Yeah, I'd totally be down to doing that. I think that'll work out well. 
So it sounds like a forceful roll to me. Uh, so what you can do is you can choose somebody who's the most forceful to sort of take point, and then everybody else just gives a plus one. Uh, looks like we got Astrid with a two. Does anybody have higher than a two? I've only got a match. What would you like to roll? You can roll it if you have a two. And then you're going to get a plus one from uh, Astrid, Genevieve, Marie, and Sean. So you're getting a plus four, so you're rolling at a six. Okay, so I'll, I'll instruct everybody to stand here, 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 and here as we're moving through the crowd. We'll try to keep him keep Maxwell from being jostled, losing track of the spell. That way we can hopefully reach our destination with minimal complication. It's a good thing we're not weirdly slow motion walking through the streets of New Orleans on a busy Friday night or anything. <laughs> yeah, and I would say that it is a... I'd say that... A on the usual circumstance, it would be a difficulty four to not be jostled. And I would say that because you have to move specifically slow, it's going to be a five. So you're already beating it by one, but then you have to roll. Sorry, what was that? We're rolling plus four with everybody. Uh, and then plus your two. So a total of plus six. So eight. Get wrecked, streets of New Orleans. There you go. And you spend basically like 30 to 40 minutes carefully walking along the street. And there are people who are laughing and walking back and forth and people cut in front of you. Um, uh, there are uh, people sort of like hanging out uh, on the balconies above you and uh, like calling out. And uh, let's do, let's do some compels actually. Hold on. You said it was spring. Is it spring break? <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's okay. Wait, it's no, it's April. It is spring break. Oh no, the horns. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when spring break is. It's in spring. Wait, no, it's yeah, it's early April, end of March because Mardi Gras is uh, middle of February, and this is six weeks after that. So spring break. <laughs> so spring break. Um, okay, I'm gonna just pick a character. Actually, I have a set of beads over there hanging off my lamp. Now you have a set of beads hanging off your head. Somebody dropped them on you. Sean kills him. Kills him with <laughs> your fire. Um, which spring, March spring break is it? Early March, so it's not, it's not spring break. How many Marches do you think there are, Jen? I don't know, I must have said something here about there being plenty of marches in the sea, maybe? Who knows? Indesert, bad joke. How many marches there are? Yeah, sure. Huh. I picked a character and now I'm having trouble coming up with a compel for that character. So I'm going to roll randomly and pick a different character. Sorry, that person. Ha, ha, ha.
Okay. So I am going to offer um, a fate point to Tyler. Gabriel Beaumont, because he has these tired old bones, um, he doesn't move quickly enough and a uh, I don't want to add stress because that's not really important unless we're going into a combat. So I want to have hmm here we go. Because of these tired old bones, you pass by uh, a lovely coffee shop and you just feel your bones aching a little bit and you know that you're going to be able to push through the rest of this night if you can just get your favorite cup of coffee. So you'll get a fate point by delaying the group the amount of time to just grab a quick cup of coffee. So we wouldn't necessarily lose the uh, lose the trail. Correct. Uh, you're just going to give whatever other actors in this... Um, in this situation, more time for whatever they're doing. Now, the flip side to this is you can choose to say, no, I'm going to push through and just get it done. But then you have to give me your fate point, and you only have one of those. So out of character, are we okay with taking a bit of a detour? In my opinion, fate points are pretty valuable, and this doesn't sound terrible. That being said, it could be the worst thing ever that we end up waiting. But at this point, I like I'm not speaking for the whole group, but for me, I have no problem with this. Yeah, no, you should totally take the fate point. I mean, we're gonna probably need it at some point throughout the game anyway, so that's kind of my thinking because we're still early and I only have one fate point, but having more seems ideal. Go for it. Yeah, it's a bit early on and everything, so we're already playing super conservative with. Oh no, like, there's no rush. Well, friends. Until there's a rush. All right, so what is Gabriel's perfect coffee? Simple, blonde roast, black espresso. Nice. He comes back out. I'll 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 pick up a, uh, a favorite of every person in the group, so that, that way we all have energy to go through the night. Um, that sounds like a great idea. Sean McAvoy will kind of like fix his glasses and say, "Can I actually please have a tea? Um, no sugar, no cream, British, please." Before heading in, I'll take a quick moment to jot down everybody's order, make sure that I've remembered it correctly. Come back with a pile of coffee or tea for every person in the group. Nice. It's excellent. And so everybody pushes forward again, heading down um, Ursuline's Ave with their coffee in hand. Maxwell sort of balancing the coffee while still pointing forward. And uh, you arrive basically, you know, like I said, 30, 40 minutes after 
um, being at the other one, uh, at the corner of Ursuline's Ave and Bourbon Street. And Maxwell's hand stops, pointing at a uh, small building called the Quartermaster Deli. It is uh, a little house with sort of like a brick wall up front with a wrought iron gate that's hanging open. And you can see people sort of going in and out of this little like um, single story, like a little bungalow. Um, and they're going in. And it's a fairly crowded group inside. People are grabbing sandwiches wrapped in white paper. Um, there's a little driveway down the side and like a nice little tiny um, postage stamp uh, yard. Maxwell, sweetie, is this where is this where we stay? Is this where it led us to? As of now, this is where the trail seems to dry up. Ordinarily, I'd like to believe that means whatever we're looking for is in there, but given this tea in my hand right now, maybe they also felt like they needed to stop for a snack. Nevertheless, couldn't hurt to check out the inside. Alright, guys, are you guys ready? Should we come up with a plan? Do we all go in? Do some of us wait out here? What do you think? Is the deli generally a locus of supernatural activity? Is Do people pass through here a lot? Uh, seeing as I've been through the city for quite a few years, would I know whether this is a pass-through area? Uh, yeah, that sounds like a... Um, um, actually, I would say that that isn't even a role. Like, in this particular case, this is not a supernaturally active area. It's just a nice sandwich spot. Happens to be on the corner. I will kindly wait outside. It looks pretty packed. Probably only a few of us should go in right now. So, is Maxwell's spell still going? Is it able to hone in more... in a more focused manner as we get closer to what we're looking for? It is no longer running. It has reached the end of its effectiveness. Should we circle around and see if there's a back door? That might not be a bad idea. Maybe two people go in, two people front, and two people back? That seems reasonable. No disagreements here. Okay, so who's going into the sandwich spot and who's going uh, behind? Uh, Maxwell would be inclined to check out um, any possible rear entrances. I can go into the sandwich shop. Who would like to come with me? I'll, I'll join you inside. We'll see what's going on in there. I refuse to even enter such a den of disgusting behavior. Oh, sweetheart, I grew up in disgusting dens of behavior. Those are jazz bars. There's meat hanging in the window. 
Once again, those are jazz balls, too. <laughs> go to some strange jazz balls. Once I go to, usually have dark wood and cigarette smoke. Less of the meat in the window. Well, have you been to many... It, I don't think you go to jazz bars so much as you go to delis <laughs> that are playing jazz. Oh, oh, guys, sometimes your innocence just makes me so happy. You keep that up, sugar. <laughs> uh, and where are Sean and Gabriel going? So Maxwell is currently going, planning to go to around behind the building, correct? Correct. So I'll pair with you, Maxwell. We can check back there, see if there's anybody suspicious, or if there's anybody that could recognize the symbol. And so does that leave Sean staying out with Marie on the on the driveway? Or on the street. Um Patrick, do you think we should stay on the street? Okay, yeah. Um yeah, we'll stay out on the street and we'll try to look as inconspicuous as possible. We pull the old two people making out in the street, but while actually keeping watch. You know? But why are we making out? Well, like, people don't like looking at people who are making out or doing PDAs. It's a great way to get away with no one looking at you. Like, they notice you, but they're like, ah, gross. And they move along. I guess. So we're just tonguing it hard. Uh, Make people very uncomfortable. Yes, they do. Marie, do you mind if we take that drawing you made of the circle in with us in case we can see if we notice anything that matches your drawing? We, I, I do mind. Oh, darling, I mean, do you think you could just share your book for a moment? This is my book. It's not for you. Can we Can uh, we take... Do you think you could take a picture with your cell phone? Yeah, that would totally work. Pull out your phone. You're like, oh, right, technology. <laughs> okay, and so as you pull out your phone, oh, I am are. going to... Double wizards. Uh, yeah, I'm going to invoke ex-cultist wizard and... Uh, <laughs> or compel ex-cultist wizard and um, uh, retired bureaumancer, offering a fate point to both Maxwell and Sean... To have the cell phone go completely dead and all of the lights in this section just drop. Okay, that's really good. Um, I think I'd like to <laughs> Please, please take those. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I will take that for Sean. Oh man, that hurts. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Does the deli still have power? The deli still has power. It's just the streetlights that went out. So Genevieve pulls out her phone, and as she opens the camera app, the whole thing just, like, screen goes white, and then screen goes black. And she just kind of sighs, and she's like, why Why do I hang out with you guys again? And just puts the phone away. I gave up oh. having a phone many years ago. Oh, Genevieve, we can go inside and deal with it in there. Here, let me take I a rubbing. Uh, I would pull out some uh, some charcoal and just a quick rubbing of the drawings that I did uh, to give you a copy of it. It's rude, uh, but you can probably you can identify. Okay. 
So you split up. And um, that's a suspicious thing to start a d- description with. These are the choices that you have made. Well done. We move together, eyes out every direction, and guns. Uh, do you do you split up all at the same time, or do you stagger? Like, do people go into the sandwich spot and then try to sneak around back, or do you just break up? I think we all put our hands in a circle, and then pump them down, and then up, and yell break, and then we all scatter. Knocking people down. Um, originally, before you said the and you split up, I was in picturing all of us like standing there and then everybody kind of walking off at the same time. Now, I don't want us to split up at all. But originally, I was figuring that we would all like the people would go around to the back as the people were going in because we're blocking that exit, right? Okay, so then what I'm going to do is, um, since the sandwich shop is lit, um, sandwich shop is lit up the quartermaster deli. Um, Astrid and Genevieve will go inside first, and uh, so you head in, and it's a it's a really crowded like hot sort of place very little standing room and uh the people behind the counter are kind of like really harried and moving back and forth although the people out here don't seem to be rushing anybody it's just that you know there's a lot of food that needs to be done um there's a lineup of a couple of people but you can head up to the counter and try and catch somebody's attention if you want should we just stay back here for a minute and look at the menu I was just thinking the same thing. Okay. So, yeah. And then I would say that, which, like, I'm looking around trying to see if somebody seems, like, somebody stands out to me. Um, there's a couple of tourists. There's a bunch of locals. Um, nobody really stands out as suspicious or dangerous. They just seem like regular folk, um, out on a Friday night. One of the menu items is necromantic ritual, though. So, might want to order that. (laughs) Okay, so as Astrid and Genevieve sort of wait for their turn, so as not to, like, cause a scene or anything, we'll cut to Maxwell and Gabriel as they sort of, like, head to the left of the building, and there's sort of, like, a a dip-down driveway and, like, an old sort of red-painted jeep sort of parked in the middle right there if i could get both of you to make focus rolls we're gonna treat focus as perception all right ah double threes so as you're moving up both of you notice that uh there's kind of like a uh There is a, uh, a symbol carved into the underside roof of the, like, the overhanging um, driveway. And as you sort of, like, look up and look at it, it looks very similar to the one that you found before. And you only, like, it was uh, difficulty two. There's a chance that you might have missed it 
in uh, in the light, but as you're walking under, you you glance up and you catch it. It looked similar or exactly the same. Um, as you sort of move up towards it, somebody uh, says, "Hey, you're not supposed to be back here." And like, sort of standing up from behind the jeep is this scrawny, like, sixteen-year-old, um, probably like sandwich making kid uh works here on his break and he like flicks a cigarette and he kind of squares off and he says you need to go back out to the street nobody's allowed back here right now dead end alley or does it pass all the way through it's basically the driveway to the side of the house and so you can see that when it comes back up there's a little bit of a backyard and it doesn't have through okay so turn to face this kid and start I, I do beg your pardon we are tourists and we found ourselves lost kind of stumbling through the alleyways would you mind pointing us out to the street just giving us a helping hand you're hoping we could find something to eat if you need something to eat you can go in as 550 for a sandwich if you need the street it's the way you can Oh, thank you, I'm glad. Kill him with Eldritch Fire, please. I point up to the... to the Because um, we can see the underside of the roof. Like, it's kind of an awning thing. Yeah, exactly. I point up at the the circle and ask... Do you... Do you know where that's from? I haven't... It doesn't match any of the usual graffiti that shows up around here. Um, okay. So then that would be trying to convince this person to give you a little bit of information. So an overcome action. Um, what approach are you using? Using just kind of a quizzical questioning, not because he works here, seeing if he knows or has seen anybody that would have car- carved that in out of the ordinary. Like a friendly questioning sort of way. Okay. I think that that still might be closest to force, as you're kind of like an authority figure. You're an older gentleman who's saying this graffiti looks weird can you tell me a bit about it or i'll kill you (laughs) uh so go ahead and roll um i would say that the difficulty for what you've asked for is only a two and then if you succeed uh with style there might be more all right so you got a two uh, did you want to leave that, or uh, oh, you'd have to you'd have to uh, do two invocations to try and get that to uh, successful style? So pretty expensive. I think just leaving it at a two is sufficient. Can he use the Lord as my shepherd for that? He can. You still have a free invoke on that, so you could uh, use the Lord as my shepherd pop that up to a four and then use one of your own fake points for some other thing to get it to a six. 
which would be with style. Could I use... Could I invoke my aspect worked all over this city for this? Yeah, definitely. How would that work exactly? Like, how do I invoke the aspect for that? Um, just like you said, I... This doesn't look like the graffiti that I've seen elsewhere. Totally fits with worked all over the city. They're pretty loose and easygoing for aspects, as long as it's vaguely you can sort of force it in and you can apply it. <laughs> okay, so did you want to do that and get to a six? Yes. All right, so pitch a fate point um, and uh, I don't know. Do you know how to do that? How do we do that? So you can click on the fate points, and then I believe if you sort of mouse over it, you can hit return or something, and it'll get rid of it. You mean in the Roll20 app or on the character sheet? In the Roll20 app. Yeah, I suppose your character sheets show those as well, but I'm using the ones with the hands. Fair enough. I'm trying to move it to drag it back to the deck. Oh, it's just cards. Yeah. So you just drag it out and, like, place it. There you go. And then, can I do a thing with it? Let's see. Then on your sheet, you can just lower it by ticking the arrow. Well, you placed it on the board, and I'll just delete it. Beautiful. Hallelujah. So, he says, he's kind of like annoyed but there's a quiet strength in your voice that he kind of like reacts and just sort of like responds to and he says man these weird people in like gray robes came through started carving up in there I chased them out and then they were back 15 minutes later doing the same thing again Tuesdays am I right? Have you seen them around or since that? When did you see them? Nah, these are strange costumes. I ain't never seen anybody like this before. I mean, you see all sorts of people dressed up in all sorts of ways, but these ones, mm, something off about them. Uh, This happened uh, mm, right about just after the supper rush. Must have been uh, two hours ago. So roughly around the same time as the other one was carved. Okay, so we're probably dealing with multiple people carving around. Um, what are the locations like on the map? Like, looking at the, where the park is on the map, and then looking at where the deli is on the map. Ah, I'm happy you asked. So as you go to roll 20, and it has switched over, you can see the park right here down there. And you can see Quartermaster Deli right here, two blocks away down Ursuline's Ave. Like really close to the Lalori mansion. 
I'll I'll thank the uh, the worker for his time. Um, and look over at Maxwell. We we should return to our group. They're they're probably wondering where we've wandered off to. We could see if anybody else has found any more information that we could go off of. Thank you for letting us uh, reorient ourselves. Have a good night. And don't drink too much, eh? And he sits back down and uh, like pulls out his phone and then he swears because his phone doesn't work. Uh, so yeah, you two head up. So in that time, um, Astrid and Genevieve are probably like just about to get up to the counter. And then you look back and you see Maxwell and Gabriel walking back towards the street. So you could uh, speak to the people here or you could go back and join up with the group. What do you think? Should we see what's going on in here, or should we just go back? I see they're returned from behind. I don't really see a lot going on in here. Uh, you know, honestly, if it's somebody in here, it might be somebody in the back, and I don't know if we're really prepared to make that type of chaos right now. I, I tend to agree. I think uh, we should probably see what they've discovered if uh, they've already returned. Yeah, All right. I agree. And out on the street, um, Marie and Sean, it's been busy. People are sort of going by. The occasional car tries to, like, get by on Bourbon Street, but there's just more people than vehicle traffic. Merrick? Yes, sir? Are the lights still out? That's a good question. Yes, they are. I can see in darkness. Oh, snap. Good job. Cool fact. Just a heads up. Uh, we're doing the, like, make-out sesh, but it's, uh, like, I'm looking over Sean's shoulder kind of thing as he's, like, nuzzling, you know? Uh, just keeping an eye on the street, like, surreptitiously. It's all it's all a carefully, act, con- like, constructed act, but, like, we're also a little bit, you know, little hands are roaming, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they have a gladius at their side uh, gladius I don't get it because they're roman uh, ah there we go <laughs> they're, forming a shield, they're forming a shield wall conquering most of the known world I'll probably say something really cutting here it was fun gaming with you guys I'll see you guys later <laughs> <laughs> But I want to I keep an eye on the crowd and look for people who are clearly, uh, like, trying to be unnoticed. Sure. Make a focus roll. And, uh, oh, Jen's got a thing. Is there something I can do to help, like, um, create an aspect or, or something I can do to give her a bonus on her roll? Um, I could use, like, one of my other aspects. Yeah, create an advantage. You got it. Oh, okay. So can I do that? You could absolutely um, roll to create an advantage, or you could just do the teamwork bonus with uh, and grant a plus one. Oh yeah, no, I'm totally just gonna 
do a plus one. All right, so Patrick, you can go ahead and roll a focus with the additional plus one as you're searching the street for interesting folk. A five. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, uh, hang on. This is secret difficulty. So, um, amongst the crowd, uh, everybody's kind of, you know, partying and enjoying themselves. And then you notice a pair of people moving in a way that is definitely different from the rest of the crowd. These people are stalking through the crowd. Um, they are, for the most part, unremarkable. Uh, jean pants, uh, sweaters, and like, uh, sort of like the brimmed uh, slouchy hat sort of thing. Uh, but they are wearing turtlenecks that cover up the sides of their neck. And as you're watching them from the darkness, uh, they turn towards you, and one of them's got this sort of swarthy, almost uh, slick skin of something that you have seen before when you've tangled with the servitors of the Fomor. Turtlenecks! These are humans who have had magical grafts implanted into them to give them superhuman abilities. And they are foot soldiers of the Fomor. And they don't appear to be looking for anything in particular. They appear to be moving through the crowd. And that's what you get for your success with style. Because they rolled real terribly on their stealth, I'll tell you what. I see in the dark and my boyfriend's helping me. Yeah, so TBH, I don't really remember what I would have said here, but I'm thinking it's something about do we know who they are? Correct. Like, have we heard of the Fomor before? Um, and we, can we tell them from sight? But I mean, the Fomor are checking out this area. And they've just battled, like, what was it, like two blocks over? Yeah, and I mean, they look super gross. Six weeks ago. Okay. I mean... Okay. Sure. A little while, while, while ago. Talking is hard. Yeah, talking is like the glitter of your mouth. <laughs> glitter? Yeah, I don't know what I actually said here, but uh, sure. I mean, it's quite possible I used that analogy. All right. So um, everybody arrives back uh, in the darkness on the area of Bourbon Street. Up and down, there are lights and people everywhere, and then you're just little circle of darkness, which is getting a couple of odd looks, but they're not looking at you. They're looking at the streetlights and then sort of glancing at you, thinking, why are you there? And then they continue. We're kissing, though. But now there's six of you. That's less subtle. We're not all kissing. Are we all kissing? You said we. You said we were. You said we're all kissing. So we're all kissing. <laughs> it's, it's that scene from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two where it's like the dad and the mom kissing, and then it pans over and it's the dad kissing like eight other moms. But no. 
we're all kissing <laughs> in a weird group. When, in the when, when we I'm all snake. get back, um, I'll point out, perhaps we should find a spot where the light works. So, uh, just a little quick heads up. Uh, there are four, four more servitors uh, roaming the streets here. Just I saw a pair of them. Is that fair? Um, yeah. C- should we consider that in our proximity to the Lottery Marshal, that uh, the, so far we have two sides of a square around that mansion. Perhaps check out the other two points of interest, maybe? That sounds like a good idea. What locations would work as similar, I guess, the corner of the street? So, because the park... The park was at the corner of Ursuline and... I don't know this street. And then... Uh, yeah, it's cut off. That's annoying. Uh, it is... Char. Chartres. Chartres. So the closest corner to the north of that would be the Bourbon and Barracks. Or we could go to the Barracks and Cutoff Street. I mean, we are currently uh, on Bourbon Street. Perhaps we just head over to Barracks. Are this, so, do, the, do the FOMOR servants, the humans, do they look like they're going anywhere? Or are they just kind of stalking through the crowd milling about? Inside check them. Uh, it looked like they had a destination. But at this point, they've melt, They've gone into the crowd. Which uh, direction were they it. heading? Uh, they were heading up Bourbon Street uh, to this intersection. Well, if that's the way they were heading, perhaps we... Let's see if we can try them. to catch up-ish to them. Okay, a real quick question. Uh, as we are now about to track servitors of an ancient race of below the waves. Uh, is anyone, you know, how they say, packing heat? Is anyone, did you bring a stick? Uh, you know, uh, the wizard, obviously, the werewolf, of course. Um, maybe I'm just asking myself if I brought, did I bring perhaps a gun or a, a sharp knife? Or stabbing a person? No, but if you would like to find one, you can do a create advantage action. Can I do my thing? What's your thing? Preparations. Once per scene, when confronting a threat that you have had an opportunity to investigate, you can mark knowledge to reveal that you have had a useful item on hand. And you would like to have that for the FOMOR? Yes. I mean, we've been dealing with them previously, and we know that they just battled six weeks ago. Perhaps I've had a chance to investigate. Okay, well, a useful implement against an implanted human is it's just a weapon. Because, I mean, it's just a person that is basically tougher, can breathe underwater, and slightly stronger. Correct, I've chosen a Glock. Okay. Um, does Sean know if he can disrupt these? Uh, like, 
maybe break the symbol or make the veil thicker, do some sort of magic-y gook that um, can disrupt the Fomor spell. So um, these are not active effects. They were a ritual that was done that basically damaged what is here. If you were able to take the time, you might be able to create a counter ritual that could shore up the area, but that's an effort of a couple of hours. It seems like they were all done at the same, or roughly the same time, if the other corners are done as well. And you were asking how long ago the rituals were done, or how long ago the uh, the Fomor uh, servitors went by? I think how long ago the rituals were done. Um, like, did they all just happen within this last hour, or have they been going throughout the day? Um, just so we know how organized they are. Two hours? Two. So about the same time as the same one at the park. Okay, so they've been doing this for a while now. I have a terrifying uh, thought. Yeah? What is it? If uh, perhaps they have done ritual magic to thin the veil between the Never Never and here, uh, and the Lalori Mansion is a hotspot of uh, spiritual activity, uh, perhaps they are summoning a whole buttload of ghosts through. But um, what if, my darling, they're going to be having ghosts out of each of these spots, not just in one location? Do you think that we need to be guarding all of the symbols? I'm just worried that ghosts will be everywhere and we won't be in the right place. Perhaps it's already taking place now. I mean, if they were all done at the same time, we might encounter two more circles that have already been activated. Whereas, if there is a focus point in this neighborhood, it would be the Lalaurie Martian. Uh, it's, we know that there are spirits uh, already focused on that location. Uh, ancient uh, spirits of tortured folk. And uh, Madame Lalaurie herself, perhaps. More have come through, or they have been stirred up and some, to some sort of hideous end. And we know that is a, a crossover point. Um, could, yep, all true. Now, Patrick, Marie Saint-Pierre, uh, has the Saint-Pierre legacy. Well, You are a local, so I am going to allow you an intelligence roll at good. a uh, an intellect roll at a difficulty two for a bit of information that everybody's kind of put together already, but I want to give the official point. A four. Okay, so you know a five spot on uh, on a six sided die that design. Yeah, it's also known as a quincux, which is a focusing device where you have four points focusing on a fifth one in the middle. So Marie would know that that is a type of magic pretty local to this area. We, I say, it, uh, as they say, F the other location and let's make a beeline for the Lalori Marshal. 
Let's do it. Fabulous idea, darling. It seems like a good idea. Perhaps with game faces on. I feel danger is uh, imminent. Okay. So, you make your way through the streets of um, the French Quarter. Uh, you know, probably heading down Bourbon Street and then take a right on Governor. You don't seem to... Um, oh, do you keep your eyes out for the uh, for the FOMO? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, eh. no I was, eh, whatever. It's just guys who shoot seashell darts at you. <laughs> uh, so, could I have everybody make me a focus roll on your own? I love these dice. A three for absolutely no reason. Make <laughs> the no reason there because it feels pointed. Also, I want to bring it back a few rolls back when you guys were in the alley. You both rolled for notice Jeep separately. You both wrote the exact same thing separately. Sorry, Merrick. Very... I'm the only one who prefer who is doing real dice. Not well, true. I'm also using real dice. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Amanda with a three, Patrick with a... This was a focus? Yes. Six. Wow. Okay. So, the difficulty was, in fact, a three in this case. And so, we have Astrid and uh, Gabriel succeeding with a tie, so at a cost. And then we have um, Marie succeeding with style. So... The cost is that you are noticed, noticing um, as you're walking down Governor Street, Governor Governor Nichols Street. Uh, you see a uh, an um, open front cafe that uh, has a whole bunch of people, like uh, sitting in a couple of booths on the inside, and all of them are wearing scarves or turtlenecks or something that obscures their throat as so you're either walking, yeah. or beatniks <laughs> <laughs> equally as dangerous <laughs> and as you're walking by um astrid and gabriel see uh, a couple of them watching you walking they're cl- they've clearly recognized you as the routers, people who have been in their business. Um, but they don't move. They stay there and they watch. With the exceptional success, um, as uh, Marie is sort of seeing this and moving by, she looks across the street and sees on a second story in a balcony... Uh, another three standing there looking over. I'd like to pretend that I didn't see them. Sure, make a guile roll. This is like a guile defense. Sonic boom? No, Sonic spoon. I refuse to acknowledge that you spoke those words. Sneaky thoughts. I'm going to roll them. Uh, They believe that you did not see them. My thoughts are too sneaky. Your thoughts are very sneaky. 
I'm making a player token. That's that's a giant. <laughs> um, all right. What do you do? Do you continue on to the Lalori Mansion? They are not uh, threatening in any way. All right. So I have no idea what I asked here. So I'm just going to add a new question. Hey, Merrick, can I have a kitty? <laughs> yep, definitely. <laughs> Everybody that we meet has an original point of view. <laughs> just as a heads up. You come up to the Lalori Mansion, a three-story, um, beautiful uh, sort of old New Orleans facade. You know from local history that this isn't actually the original building. This is uh, rebuilt after it was burned down. Um, and there's quite a sordid history there. One of the earliest uh, sort of serial killer type uh, situations was here when um, Madame Delphine Lalaurie murdered uh, a number of her slaves, tortured for a very long time. Very horrible thing. It was discovered when there was a fire and uh, people came to the location and broke into the quarters where there was um, this going on. When the city found out, a mob formed and burned the place down. She watched American Horror Story Season 3. <laughs> she escaped to France. Takes Same. place in, France. in that mansion. In real life or in American Horror Story? In American Horror Story, she's still there. In the Dresden Files. She's also still there. In Dresden Files, we have 8Ks. Let's roll! <laughs> um, and you can see that uh, the place, which is often a tourist location, has um, all of the doors uh, closed, all of the windows, windows shuttered, and um, you don't see any people up on the uh, second-level balcony or anything, although the street is um, full of people sort of uh, wandering and having their enjoyment. So it's closed for tours for the night? It is. Is there like a back entrance? Because we've been here before, right? When the fight happened? Who was here? There were, it said there were three of the routers here. Yeah, I don't know. It never actually says who, and it doesn't say it in the individual thing, so whatever. You were all there. Perfect. Uh, do we know if there's alternate methods of ingress? Uh, no, it is only through the front doors as um, it's uh, attached to the buildings on either side. The other buildings, are they as high as the mansion? They are not. So technically, I suppose you could go into one, go up to the roof. Or like a um, fire escape in like a back alley of one of those? Uh, not so much back alleys. Just taking a look. Yeah, like everything is sort of connected and there's a courtyard in the back that you can only get to from inside the house. It's all very closely uh, sort of constructed. What are the surrounding buildings? Are they like residential houses or are they businesses? Yeah, one will be like a realtor's business and then the one on the other side will be a house. Well, should we just go up to the front door, see if we can get in, see what's going on? 
can just try the door, see if it's unlocked. <laughs> We're like, all right, we got to come up with sneaky plans. Have we ever tried the door? And you go up, and Gabriel kind of. <laughs> uh, does anybody have some sort of lock picking skill? Uh, kind of like a rogue of the party? If only people had magic. <laughs> Oh, well, we'll play a game where we, they do. Uh, so we go play That'd cards. <laughs> I don't think Sean has any magic that would work for unlocking doors. For this, could I use one of my stunts? If I thought it might be helpful. What's the stunt? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I have an enchanted item uh, in the description. It says, once a session, I could use an item for the rest of the scene see if it could help us out uh, Maxwell just so happens to have a skeleton key a key that for some reason just always works when you use it I just made a real bone yeah, it's also a pretty fun movie to... I did like that movie <laughs> so yeah if you'd like to activate your stunt you can use the skeleton key to unlock this door and it will help you unlock any other doors that you come to for the rest of this scene didn't it say session or was it this scene scene uh does it say session wrong uh for the rest of the scene it can be used once per session once per session gotcha but uh, yeah yeah i'd like to use that so uh, okay. I guess I just reach into my pocket and tell everyone, hold on, just give me a sec. I'm going to try something out and pull out this key. It's bony. It's very gnarled. It has a bit of yellowish discoloration. It's obviously seen a lot of weathering over time, but I fumble with the door for a little bit and just pops open and turn to everyone and say, I guess it was just stuck on something. Had to give it a little jiggle. Can we cause like a, like not like cause a disturbance, but like screen uh, whatever he's doing there? Oh yeah, easily. As you open the door, you can see inside these beautiful dark uh, hardwood floors, uh, bleached, like really bright white walls, um, a lot of sort of dark accents and old furniture. Um, there are display cases in sort of a museum style, but then there's a lot of places that have been sort of set up to be, um, like to look 1800s, but still usable. Like you can sit down and you can have a cup of tea while you hear the story of the La Lori mansion. The whole area is hush, but there's a buzz in the air of active energy. Um, The lights are out but you can hear, coming from the second floor, a dim, quiet, sort of repetitive chanting. Chanting is never a good sign. Chanting is never good. Maybe they're prepping for a big football game. That's cheering, not chanting. Very different. My darling, um, I'm going to go up first. I think that I'll have an edge because I'm a wizard. So stay here. Oh, my shall And I will go forward and check it out, um, making sure it is safe for everyone. 
So Sean moves forward into the hallway and heads up the stairs, which kind of curve back towards over where you came in. Uh, is everybody running along? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to see if there's anything surrounding me that I can grab as a truncheon on my way up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of options. Um, like, there's a couple of antique, like, canes, uh, the hairs. Hmm, what else might there be? <laughs> you could pull a piece off of, like, a... Um, like you could break a piece off of a coat rack. Uh, what do you What do you grab? I'm gonna grab a sturdy looking cane because then I can at least also lean on it if I need to. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, and then as Sean runs up, uh, does he slow down and go quietly, or does he burst in as uh, he gets up to the second floor? You know, Sean's not really like a sneaky, sneaky dude. So he's just going to uh, burst into the room. Um, kind of like he maybe should be there. Okay. Um, he bursts into, uh, like, comes up onto the second floor. And um, there's sort of a hallway uh, that curves back uh, to your left. There's doors to your right and uh, that go into a room and then ahead of you doors that would lead out onto the second story balcony the chanting appears to be coming from the doors to your right so you run in and you burst in and there's sort of like this upper sort of library area uh yes amanda before i finish what's up um before like everything prolongs longer can i turn into a wolf yeah for sure so how does that work um, so, f- fleeting transformation? No. Yeah, the use of transformation magic is practically a reflex to you. Treat the physical transformation condition as sticky, requiring no time and rest. Perhaps you're thinking okay. of using your unique condition of uh, physical transformation, where you might yeah. take the form of the wolf aspect in addition to your other aspects, perhaps. That would be exactly what I'm thinking of doing. And then perhaps you might swap the ratings of any two of your approaches with any two other approaches to reflect your animal form. (laughs) That's really funny. I was like, how did you know that? Just spitballing (laughs) it randomly. Yeah, so... That would um, be it, yeah. There you go. You you click the box under physical transformation, and so uh, you do what it says under there, uh, Swapping the rating of Flare with Haste and swapping Focus with Guile. So you're you are stealthier, and you are uh, Flare with Haste. Oh, and you're much faster. Do her clothes go with her? No. So one of us want to grab her outfit probably routine at that point like she just shucks out of a dress and we're like and up it goes which one has the sensible bag somebody have a satchel or a backpack it's it's marie i guess a sensible middle-aged man 
Yeah. You got, you got like a backpack over one shoulder. You've got like a briefcase case that's like got not much in it, and then you just kind of like tuck the clothes in. Yeah, I, I've been carrying that the whole time. Perfect. All right. Astrid turns into a wolf, um, and uh, Sean bursts through the doors into this library. Um, it's got bookshelves around the walls, uh, windows uh, to the left, but the curtains are drawn, and all of the furniture has been pushed out of the middle of the floor. The carpet has been rolled back to uh, show the, uh, the hardwood, and a circle has been chalked in place. There are uh, two robed figures standing inside the chalked circle and two standing outside. They've all, all four of them got their hands uh, above their heads and they are chanting. The two on the outside of the circle turn towards you and you see sort of like shocked faces, but the two in the circle do not react. Okay, and just for curiosity's sake, like how close together are they all standing? <laughs> Fireball! Um, okay, so I think what I'd like to do is I'm going to burst through the doors and then I'm going to say, uh, sorry, chaps, uh, I'm late today. I, my robe was at the dry cleaner and I just wasn't ready in time and I felt really embarrassed, so I was trying to get it before I came, but I just, I couldn't get it and so I'm just running in here to, uh, did you already start? I'm so sorry, I'm late. Um, sure. So, uh, create an advantage and I would say that in this case, the difficulty, thank you, Ron, uh, is a four, and you'd be, sounds like guile, maybe? Yeah, okay. Um, I could do some guile. Okay. Sonic, boom! All right, so, ooh, I got a three. <laughs> uh, so that's not a pass, is it? <laughs> so right now you have failed on bullshit. Would you like to spend any uh, fate points to create the aspect? Uh, I don't know if any of my aspects really apply. Um, let me just look them over here. Mm, I don't think I have anything. What are your aspects? Shout them out. Okay. Um, I have retired bureaumancer, former apprentice of the <laughs> former apprentice of the White Council. I make number stands, delicate touch with magic, uh, neat, tidy, and spotless. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Bureau, retired bureaumancer. You're used to spitting bullshit. That's all bureaucracy <laughs> is. The man makes a fair point. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can use that aspect. Alright, would you like to create an aspect of caught off guard and confused? Yeah, that would be great, so that they're just, like, a little bit slower on their attacks. Um, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Are you expecting someone else here? Okay, so you haven't done anything threatening so far, so I'm not gonna say we're moving into initiative yet. So you, you burst in, and you say this, and, uh, the two in the middle, um, one with the white robes and one with sort of like uh, white robes with a couple more bells and whistles, a little bit more stitching, uh, clearly a leader. Um, there's embroidery. I imagine literal bells and whistles. 
I am the leader. Tweet, tweet, tweet. You know I'm in charge because I make sounds when I chant. Uh, and um, the they don't stop talking, but one of the uh, robed figures on the outside says, "Um, you you can't be here right now. There, we're right in the middle of this ritual. You can't interrupt it." Sean is going to realize that he can't lie for very long. He's not very good at it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's some way that he can get into the room quickly and, like, if he disrupts the chalk, maybe that will end the ritual. Um, so maybe he needs to, like, run in somehow to break it up. Power slide. Yes, power slide. Okay, so you're going to power slide past these two robed figures. With their guitar? Oh, that is a flare if I ever heard one. Won't kneel down next to his girlfriend to look at an arcane sigil in a park. Knee slides across a, a chalk circle powered by wizard. Darling, I just, I mean, I only do it if it's a it's, necessity, but I really hate having dirty pants. It's okay, I take y'all. Take them to the dry cleaner as always. That poor dry cleaner. <laughs> so, this is, um,. Definitely going to be. They are trying to uh, stop you. Mm-hmm. Could I use that um, force? Maybe mm, sounded like flare to me. Uh, but could we not? I mean, if you're power sliding. Yeah, I guess you chose it, Jen. <laughs> oh, that's real good. How did you make that different? Oh, I used um one of Roll 20's amazing features where you Did you just click flare? Button. Yes. Oh I did. yeah, you clicked it on your character sheet rather than using the macro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That seems uh, easy. How much is your flare? Uh, my flare is zero. So you rolled plus three? <laughs> yeah, I did. Wow. Okay. Um yeah. And so their skill at stopping this is a plus zero. But they're, one of them is helping the other, so they get a plus one. Let's see what they do. They got a two. And the two robed figures dive towards you as you slide through, uh, using your physicality to break the chalk line, releasing the energy. You can feel sort of this pop in the air as uh, whatever energy that they had been gathering is let loose. Yeah, so Sean power slides through rocking his guitar. Um, and the uh, the leader sort of like gets knocked back and sort of slides a little bit away and then says, What have you done? What have you done? You fool! What is the rest? What is the rest of the group doing? Apparently, walking up to that. Yeah, uh, coming to the door to somebody shouting, "You fool!" I guess. Kane raised high. Marie comes in, pointing a gun at people. After Not super good up, at it. Count. 
<laughs> just comes in biting. Are they just regular humans from what we can tell just by looking at them? They do appear to be. Uh, their cowls are pulled forward quite far, but uh, they don't seem like monsters. And uh, the person says, we have to start again. Get out. You do not know what you meddle with. Then tell us what you're meddling with. Or what we we are are meddling with. Or what people are meddling with. You're setting up necromantic circles all over the city, causing spirits. What the hell are you doing? We are holding back an army. And you hear, boom, boom, boom. As uh, someone begins to slam on the door below. Thanks for listening to this episode of Massive Damage Adventures. We do a different one-shot every month, and I hope you check out our next one. Please rate and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at SkyhammerK and on Instagram at SkyhammerPress. If you want some outtakes, keep listening after I stop talking. Tunes are banging, by the way. All right. Well, I'm a super nerd. Hello, strange woman who I do not know. Hi, cannot hear me. Apparently, her name is Hannah. Hannah says hello back. Hello, Anna. Unrelated, but uh, did you know that we got married recently, American Chen? I mean, I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know that it had happened. Congratulations. I don't know who you are, but congratulations. I have no camera, but trust that I'm waving very exuberantly. (laughs) I'll be honest, Ron. I don't think you do anything exuberantly. Yeah, that was a filthy lie, but run with it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, you can judge a lot by a guy's tone of voice when you're not seeing him. I mean, I choose to believe that Ron is excessively exuberant. For Ron? I'm happy on the inside. What can I say? Perhaps perhaps a thumbs up. <laughs> there we go.